Hey, everybody. Welcome to The New Best Practices, a podcast about the process of creating software. I'm your host, Ross Hunter. I'm joined, as always, by Jace Browning and Jason Sitch. Today, we're going to talk about keeping track of the requirements of the software that we build. Okay. So, okay. So I was inspired by seeing somebody talk about one of their user stories, and it was, as a developer, I want to use Python 3. Now, that is not a user story. Are we all in agreement? Are we all in agreement that that is not a user story? Sounds like trolling. That, um, I mean, a user story can be a format, right? And that is, that is someone applying the user story format to something that maybe shouldn't be a user story. Should it be? Because I don't think that should live anywhere. That shouldn't even be, nobody should have committed that text into any sort of program <laughs> that manages the, your, no, that is just something you do. You're a developer. It's, you, you just do those things. Like you don't include every framework upgrade as a story, right? Like it's just part of doing something else that provides value. But how do you, how do you, tra- how would you track something like that then, Jace? Uh, I would, it depends on the scope of it. Depends on how long it's going to take. If it's, if it's like literally a minor upgrade of a framework, I wouldn't track it at all. It would be, it would be in my notes app. And I would know that next time I go do this big feature, it's also going to come with this upgrade of the framework. And I'll make some notes that we should test that extra hard. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it anywhere for the entire company to view and have to like scroll through and think about. What what do you say that it impacts like a project though? That like you would have to like show. Uh, I'm I'm thinking like if if I had a big upgrade and it took multiple weeks, like they'd probably ask, "What are you up to, Jason?" Yeah, if you can't if you can't shove it into an existing feature, so it's so big that it's more than a day of work where like most like framework upgrades or whatever, like depending on the size of your code base, shouldn't be more than a few days of work. And you know, often you could just cram into a feature. If it's going to require the entire team to focus on it, then I would say you need to commit, uh, you need to commit a time box to it. Like, hey, the first week of the month, we're going to just do this thing. And everybody's going to do that. We've all agreed collectively that this is important. We're just going to do it. And we, we basically pause, pause the schedule to do this thing that we all think is really important. So an advantage of tracking it outside of tracking it in a project management system or whatever is you do get to prioritize that, right? So you though though the user story um you know though that is a weird user story it is something that you can prioritize and say okay well you know we were going to add this feature but honestly it's more important that we get um up this upgrade in there um so that that's an advantage of of tracking it like a like it is a feature yeah but i guess who do you think the let's say you're using some project management software who is who who's in charge of the dials on the project management software? Because I would say it's the, the product owner, product manager, whatever you want to call them. The, the person that's responsible for the ultimate delivery of that product. They're in charge of those dials. And I don't think they should have to know like what it means to upgrade this random framework to the next version. Because that obviously does not visibly deliver any value to the end user. Yeah, I, I, I think we're in agreement about the like minor patch upgrade type stuff um, that, you know, rolling that kind of stuff just into a feature. If you happen to touch some code, update the library using you're good to go. But something like I want to use uh, Python 3. Um, or what, what about other like developer focused things? Like as a developer, I want to be able to provision new versions of the app more easily or something like that. Some of these like 
developer focused stories and they are like as a developer i want to do x no it, um so where i'm at we're currently on a rails upgrade to 5.2 or something like that and uh but we're also divided up into product teams right now with a focus on specific features of the product and um you know we're talking about we just have basically a contractor working on the upgrade uh at the moment making sure that everything's ready to go and we're trying to fit his work in and, and my suggestion was you know let's break out a new project play it's kind of like a mini project but uh you know we can have someone that creates stories puts them in there and that way we can track his work we can know what's get gets done and the, the project is this upgrade you know and we can just delete it doesn't have to be a huge formal thing but at least we could kind of play house have a qa have a pm have a developer we have stories treat it that way and if it's something you do continually then yeah you, you have some kind of team that does that or maybe it's people that cycle in and out but you know track it there is something else because if you're doing a lot of stuff you probably want to know that, that yeah like this upgrade is uh, prioritized and we got this database thing to do and you know it may not fit into a product roadmap at all um the only reason i'd consider putting a product roadmap is if it's like a one-off thing that takes some kind of substantial time and has impact on the roadmap of delivering stuff then you may may want to represent that somehow in your your project yeah we've uh what we're doing at work is actually even like less formal than that. We just kind of started doing uh, working group, working groups, um, where one of them is essentially like it's it's a Python three upgrade, and all that means is the people in that working group who just opted into that working group, every fifth PR they write is actually a PR to do some language support upgrades. Uh, you know, because we trust all of our engineers. We trust that they know what they're doing is the best for the company and they they're doing they're maintaining the balance of how much they should focus on new features versus some sort of developer focused initiative yeah it seems like a lifestyle choice for you guys like may play out different in different companies yeah i i tend to think that the the developer that had to make the user story i want to use python 3 that company's culture is is not yet mature <laughs> or or they don't have or they're just confused about how their process works or how their tools are supposed to work or they just i mean they've gone all in on some sort of scrum process without evaluating why they're doing it i uh, i'm I, that sounds a, that might be a little unfair uh you might be right but people might just like user stories. Like I like user stories in the absence of, um, I would rather have everything be a user story than having a free for all, um, than having Jira tickets that say like install this plugin or any number of other, just like, uh, a user story ensures that there's a certain amount of information involved. Like, you're not allowed to make a ticket unless you can make a full story that will explain what's going to happen. Uh, I think that's that is an advantage. It is it is weird with stuff like as a developer, I want to use, uh, you know, Python three. Um, but with something like something I was just working on was um, uh, it was, oh, make a f create a product flag for uh, must be personalized. Like that was the entirety of the of the of the ticket. Create a flag for a product that must be personalized. Now, let me know if you know what that means because I don't. Um, and I've been working on this product for five months now. Um, so that would have been much better as a user story. That was you know, as a user, uh, I can see that I need to personalize my product. Um, you know, that would that conveys a lot of other um that tells a full story it's a user story as a developer i can make that happen i can make technology decisions um about that whereas i i think the idea when somebody made it was oh yeah create a boolean in the database and i think that that's a bad idea i don't think you should make stories like that so if everything's a user story 
you avoid falling into that that trap. Do you have a product or product manager on that uh, project? Uh, theoretically. Is it a developer or not developer? Uh, these t- uh, so um, these these tickets. A lot of these tickets come out of developers. Um, that's that is a common uh, thing that happens when you end up with these types of stories. This particular ticket actually was like from a UX designer, which is why I was I was very surprised by it. Uh, uh, which is why you know there's ambiguity in what in what means a um, a user story is not ambiguous, right? Um, that is that is yeah. a huge advantage of a user story is it is not very ambiguous unless you say like as an admin. And you don't really know what an ad. Yeah, means. so I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna challenge that. Like, do you expect your user story to be specified such that you do not have to interact with another human to implement the feature? No, I don't. I mean, a lot of times it's. I understand the product. I, um, you know, have been in on planning meetings or whatever, and so when this user story comes up, I do have all the information I need. Um, you know, I'm working on an e-commerce site right now. Like I can figure out what a lot of this stuff means. Um, but there's, it's not, it's not that it needs to remove, you know, it's not going to completely remove human contact, but a story that says flag a product must, you know, needs personalization. Like this is just a waste of everybody's time. See, cause what I would want to do with that, I think I'd want to still have a really short title, like five words, right? Enough that it just fits in any text message or anything. So we all yeah. know what we're talking about. It's the, I agree with that. The flag is, what'd you call it? Flag is personalized. So yeah. I'd call that, that's, that's that feature flag is personalizable. That's the name of the feature. If you say that and we've talked about it, everyone knows what that is. It's not 20 words, 30 words. And then inside of that story, is the entire, like all the notes we took when we discussed it. Oh yeah, and by the way, this is gonna happen, and that's gonna happen, and this is gonna happen. And there's a thread under there that we can like have follow-up questions. Uh, to me, like trying to map everything into like a specific strange English pattern that is not how I talk in real life, which is I think what bothers me the most. It's not how I, you know, I don't go to a restaurant, like as a customer, I would like, a burger so that I feel full, like burger. That's the story. Burger with fries. <laughs> I think I think the point of it, though, is to have some kind of standard. It's not that it's like the perfect thing, but, you know, it forces you to think about the things that you should think about when you create it. It's as opposed to, yeah, just write. You tell people write good stories. Like, what does that mean? You give them no guidance at that point. That's when you end up with, as a user, I want to use Python three or whatever, or developer, right? Like, they just wrote whatever but they want. I see, I see fifty stories that are all just prefixed with as a user, as a user. Well, of course, it's as a user. <laughs> the users are using our product, so I just see noise, and then I like my eyes just start like glossing over it. So, so I think here's something subtle about user stories is, so what you were just describing, Jace, is that we should call it flag a product. And that is from the developer's perspective, right? Like we're going to add a flag. The story is what we actually want to have happen is a user needs to be notified that they, that they have to personalize the product. Like that's the real story. And so I think that is just like, as a user, I want to do X is a good frame of reference for what you need to actually have happen, not what developers think might need to have happen or or any of that other stuff. But, um, but even in that example, it's still not the user that wants the notification. It's the company that wants to notify the user. So why wouldn't the story be as a company, we want to notify our users when this happens? Yeah, I'm. It, so it's like... <laughs> It's as a user, I don't want to be confused when ordering a product that needs personalization, right? Yeah. Like, that's really the story. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you could nitpick it. But again, it's the idea. Um, it's a consistent format. It puts it from the perspective of the user. And I think that both of those are really good things. I, I think a key is, like, the PM um, creates it like a... If, if a dev creates a story, I, I feel like it should go to the PM that they should 
make sure that they understand it. Maybe they tweak it and edit it. Uh, I don't think that like devs should just like put stuff in there uh, however they want to. Like someone has to kind of own it, own the language, um, and so that they're consistent. And I, I think at that point they do naturally speak more to features rather than you know like a product. I th- I think you can track. They, I, I do think that not everything needs to be tracked the same way. Not everything needs to fit the same uh, mold, but I do think that there are advantages to doing it that way. And there, there's other store, you know, there's jobs to be done. You know, there's other like, uh, you know, frameworks for how you put together features and stories and the stuff you're going to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, like my, I mean, my original like background is, uh regulated industries like formal specification and it seems to me ross like you might enjoy that like because i mean you want a user story because it's ambiguous what if it has to be legally unambiguous um you know like actual like formal language or formal proofs or like you know actual like legalese like shall and, and all that uh, would you want to go that far? Well, I, one thing that's interesting before you go on is uh, I, I worked in a regulated industry too, and we had multiple layers of requirements that went from high to low level. And that might be, I, I thought some of that's interesting because I think maybe sometimes, depending on what kind of tools you use, that happens where you have a high level task that's more of a user story that's like, you know, I want to be notified of whatever. But then you also have these things underneath. That's like the high-level requirement. The low-level requirement is we need to add this flag to this thing. We need to, you know, that's where the developer comes into play. And I kind of wish, like, we, we use Pivotal Tracker right now, which is just, like, user story. Maybe you could add tasks. But I kind of like a system where you could have that high-level plus low-level details where the developers um, could go through and lay out what they need to do as a separate thing. Because to them, like... It's not until you break it down to that level that you can really like give a good estimation on something, right? Like if you just hear that high level story, you don't think about all the low level details. Like I don't think you fully grok it until you start developing and get into it. Yeah, systems will have like you know subtasks. I know that um, you know I've been I've been in Jira a lot lately, um, and you can you know mangle that thing to do whatever you want. Um, and there is like a a product owner creates a um a high level requirement that is fully you know relatively well scoped out um and then you know a developer goes in and creates a bunch of subtasks and and that's uh, that's okay um i i i'm i prefer more lower lower a agile um you know i'm kind of discovering stuff as i go i'm the what i'm working on right now i'm actually the particular feature that I'm working on, I'm actually doing like we're we are basically doing the UX on it as we go. Um, and we're going to, you know, kind of put a layer of paint on it at the end. Um, so there are things that I'm working on and, and I do discover something. And I and I think the best way to communicate that is like, hey, as a user, I want to be able to click through the steps of personalizing a product. You know, I want to click the next button and go to the next thing like how I, I don't want to. You know, I don't want a card that says like active step state. You know, I, 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 man, I really think that's a mistake. I really think you want to say as a user, I should go sequentially through the, the, the steps. I, I, that helps me a lot to know what to do. Cause what I would rather see then, cause you're almost describing a test case. You're almost describing step one, log in as a non-admin user step two go to your profile page you know step three add a thing and then verify this is true or verify this and then okay another test case now log in but go to this page and do that instead is that what you're trying to get at with the idea of it's user facing it's a user story that might be the galaxy brain right there is <laughs> <laughs> the levels of, of of what i would like to see um that is definitely not succinct right um that is i i think it's hard to argue that that is not the most comprehensive way to describe the requirements is literally step by step what you would want um you know combine in with some you know visual comps or whatever um that is that is great 
But having a one word, you know, a one sentence thing to, for me, I like that as the level of fidelity um, for a lot of things. Some things are just burgers and everybody knows what we mean when we say burgers. Um, but a lot of times it's, you know, that is not descriptive enough. And the level of like, you know, I want, you know, the lettuce on top, then the, you know, then the olives, then the bacon, you know, that, that level of like super detail is not something that we want to bring up, you know, every time that we talk about something. So I, 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 let's do it all. Let's do it all, man. Yeah. Now, now when somebody, you know, the PM walks up to you and says, what are you working on right now? Do you say, oh, I'm working on the, as a user, I want to, this thing so that I can, or do you say I'm working on this thing? Like, yes. Okay. So let's, so to be clear, the title of these, uh, of these stories that I'm working on are oftentimes configurator colon, um, you know, line text limits or something like that. Like the the title is not a user okay. story. So you, you have a, I, I don't think that scrolling through a list of user stories is that good of an idea. Okay. So you have a separate title. There's a title, and then inside of that, there's a user story, and then after that, there are test cases. That would be that would be living the dream. <laughs> okay, I think I could. Now, are you familiar with uh, with use cases? I not as like if that means something very specific, then no. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's like a, it's part of UML, I suppose, uh, if you want to get really technical. But I think user stories probably came out of use cases. I mean, a use case is like use case colon. And then it's like user wants to do this, this. And then it steps below that. And now this is not a test case. A test case then is something later. Uh, but. I think use cases are used more often in like the planning planning phase because you're trying to like plan out what something could be and why users would be coming to your product and using it. I think I'd like a blend though, where you've got like a little title. I don't know if I need the like as a user because that's I'm just gonna skip over that because it's everything says as a user, it's noisy, and then I want some test cases. That's I think that's what I want. Maybe you could flag things as who they're facing. So one thing I'm working on an e-commerce site, I do have a lot of the lot of the stories are as a admin, um, you know, of what the what the admins are going to be doing on the back end and, you know, building out some of that functionality. So if it was just like a epic or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it, just a tag that is like this is a, a user story. Um, and this is an admin story or something like that. I, I do think it is useful to say this is for this customer. The value I see in that is that those then could show up in your public change log or your release notes or something where everything else is not worth mentioning. If your end users can't see it, it's not worth telling them about. I guess as you know, does the role change the behavior of like a single thing? Like, are the admins looking at the same thing? Or are they in a separate, totally like admin site? You know, part of the site. In this case, it is totally, totally different. Like that seems. I I'd agree with Jace on that. Like, why would you need to specify? Like, yeah, it's the admin area. Of course, you need to be an admin. Because in the in the in that like capital A agile as a user story, like what are the other choices as a, I mean, how do you document a security feature as a user? I don't want to get hacked so that I don't get hacked or something like, I, I like, it's, I, a, neg- it, it's a negative requirement. You can't yeah. fulfill it. Yeah. It's again, it's not like everything. It, it's not, it's not for, not for everybody. Um, but it is a very consistent language that you can use. So, so for instance, I have um, kicking off a new project next week, um, meeting with a customer, and we're trying to get some high-level requirement about um, the things they want for their site. And we're like, I'm advocating that we come out of that meeting with user stories. That is high-level like user stories around what are the things that you want. You know, you want a loyalty program for your um, for your customers. So, like, what does that look like? And we could write down a bunch of shit about what that means. 
Um, but if we want to get like real specific about what are the things that we want to see, um, you know, do I want to see a monthly, you know, do I get a monthly coupon or any of these things, just having a consistent language for them. Um, even, even amongst the, the back end, like they need to, they have, you know, this ERP and we're going to need to get their products into the, in, into the e-commerce site. So what does that look like? You know, as a, um, you know, brand manager, I can do X. Um, I think it's it's just a consistent yeah. language. And what it, what uh, what pattern specifically? Because there are there's lots of even variations on that. Do you do you go for the as a blank? I want to blank in order to blank. Do you go with that pattern? I I don't believe that the in order to is always necessary. Um, I think that on some of this marketing stuff that we're trying to figure out next week, we might want to be like, why do you want people to do that? What do you think is going to happen? Um, but, you know, as a user, so that I, you know, I want to proceed stepwise through my personalization so that I don't get confused or whatever. You know, I don't I don't think that like so that it is good is really a necessary um, thing. So it, again, it's, it's a common language. I don't think that it needs to be, um, you don't need to be super strict about it. Um, but it's, it is a, it is a good language to use. And are they, are all the blanks freeform? Like, would it be perfectly valid if you said as a random person on the street that just walked up, I want to blank in order to blank? Or, or is there is there supposed to be like preset types of things that mean something semantically to your application? I, I mean, same answers before. I don't think you need to go nuts on making these things crazy. I don't believe in things like so. Here's a for instance. I don't believe in things like cucumber, where you do try to like make user stories program, you know, <laughs> a computer execute your your user stories. I think that that is probably a mistake. I think that you're. I think that maybe if if you really get into the mode, um, you can do that. But I I have never had success. I've never witnessed anybody with my own two eyes have success um, trying to do that. Um, I think that that you know that that is maybe asking a bit too much. But I do think you might want to say, as a new user, I want to see this. You know, as a as a returning user, I want to see this. Yeah. Again, no, I think that adds perspective. And yeah, because that was going to get to my next question about test cases, where at the test case level, it does need to be perfectly unambiguous, where I think user, returning user, those are good. But if it was like as a curious user or something like any other sort of like <laughs> funny language in your user story, I was like, I don't know how to test that. <laughs> uh, and certainly like that would fall apart at, at the like cucumber gherkin style test, which I, I agree with you. I have not seen that be successful. Have you, Jason? I haven't seen it used. Everyone I work with is pretty sane. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know what Joking. it is, or you've seen you know, like, hypothetical example. I, yeah, I know what it is, but yeah, I haven't run across it. Um, I, just, I just imagine that it's done by fancy pants people that are trying way too hard. Oh, it, it makes an impressive demo. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it, but it, it, I, I've never had a desire to do it. Like, it seems interesting in theory, but a lot of things seem interesting in theory to developers. Yeah. But we should probably never it, do that. It seems popular among, uh, like, quality analyst contractors in that type of role. Because you, it, it does make a nice demo. Uh, if you're going to pay somebody all the money to do it, I bet the customer would be happy with it. You know, like, if, if money was no object, I think... Your customer would be happy if somebody spent a long time and wrote out all these really nice, pretty, like permutation tables of, of essentially programmatic user stories. Uh, if you could do that, I think I think you'd enjoy it. But I just don't think you get a good bang for your buck in terms of uh, quality assurance. Yeah, I I think you really need a a motivating factor um, for doing it that way versus just doing you know, developers writing tests. Um, I, I can imagine a situation where you have people that that is their, their sole job is to, um, you know, they're technical enough um, that they could, you know, write out some uh, steps or whatever. Um, but w 
when I so when I first got in into rails and stuff, you know, it was the thing. Um, and I spent a lot of time and I felt like, oh, man, I don't think this is good. Um, and then I just went to like regular RSpec Capybara tests and was like, whoa, this is way better. Um, but I did have um, for one project, there was a person who it was it was going to be her job to write these stories out. She was the product owner and she was going to be technical enough and she was going to write them out. And then that just never happened, um, which I, is what I imagine happens to most people. But I think if you really did have that person um, who could type all of them out um, and was could actually commit the files or, you know, stuff like that, maybe it's a thing, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe if your maybe if your product is so long lived, it's 20, 10, 20, 30 years and you're the like leader in your industry, it's never going to go away and you just get to spend all day, all day on quality and just writing more and more tests, then maybe, maybe that's. Is the maintenance on those things? Not, it seems like the maintenance would be insane on them. Like you just said, like a really old project. I'm imagining like tons of lines of code does a lot of stuff. Yeah. I'm picturing more like a, like some sort of like a configurator project where like your product is it's per it's, it's main thing is that it has so many options and users get to pick them all that you might get some value out of writing all the permutations of Durkin tests. But you could also do the same thing with a table, like a table that, that you pass into like a parameterized test. So I don't know. So, okay, so we write some, some, some sort of, let's just call them like cards. Let's say they're cards. And they might be a user story. It might be a title or it might be like a title in a test case or something. Uh, but probably the first thing you need to do with these cards is what put them in order. So there should be enough information in them to put them in order, right? And maybe maybe estimate on them. Depends on what you want in life, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you have a bunch of developers waiting for work, I if I own the product, I'd probably want to prioritize tell them what to start working on first. So you are correct. Estimation, um, I don't, you're, you're asking for a lot there. Like it doesn't, it's not, it's not perfect. And yeah, well, we've, and this is, this is a topic we've covered in the past. Uh, <laughs> so I guess we don't have to, we don't have to get into that too much, but they're somehow tied together in that the description of the feature or bug fix or task needs to be detailed enough such that you can both scope it and prioritize it. So, I, I, you know, to me, the standardization of these things is probably key to any kind of estimation and prioritization. Like when they vary wildly, like you just don't know. You can't. But if if they follow standard formats, I think after a while, you can, you know, start getting a better idea of estimation. Estimation is probably going to be kind of wild up front. And then. You know, you've been doing it for a few weeks. You understand how you wrote them, and if you if they're standardized and you can start, you know, grouping these things in high, medium, low complexity, you know, and start working at it that way. But it's just standardization within your team, right? It's not industry standardization. Yeah. Which I think is how a lot of people get messed up, is they have not taken the time to standardize what those mean in their team. So they think that they have to just follow some sort of industry pattern and map the exact user story pattern, the exact point style, and all these things exactly onto their team. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think, and that's true about a lot of things. That is, you know, that's kind of the capital A agile versus lowercase a agile thing is you know a lot of people you know they get the book and so now they're agile you know they they are literally certified in being agile um you know where i i think that that a agile means more of the like definition of agile where you know you can change you know there's the agile manifesto you right like so that is that is the capital a agile i can get behind is is the manifesto itself um, and everything that's derived from that 
is, uh, you know, probably good and probably good for um, for for people in certain situations with regard to user stories and stuff like that. I think the most important part of it is that when you get a ticket, when you get a card, you can complete it. So you so you guys are talking about like prioritizing and not like that is all secondary to the fact that when I get a thing, I can do something with it. Maybe I'm doing it out of order. Maybe it's going to take me longer than people expect. But I need to be able to deliver the card. That is the thing that I find most important about requirements and, you know, acceptance criteria is I actually can do something now. Yeah. So, so yeah, so let's go there. Okay, so you, you take the top card off the deck. You don't even know if the deck's in order. It's just... It's my turn to pick the top card off the deck. Turns out it's a feature you can actually work on. Uh, it's it's well-specced. Hopefully it's got some test cases. You code away at your computer. What happens next? You, th- you think you're done. Are you done? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think you're done, you just take the next card off the deck. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think acceptance criteria, is, you know, formal test cases, all that stuff is great. Um, you know, I think that a, a user step user story is a step down from that. Um, but but some somewhat similar, you can say you can put yourself in the seat of the user. You can test that the, you can manually test your software and go, yeah, it did. It did that thing. I can I can say that it did that thing. Um, yeah, where it goes from there is uh kind of a whole nother whole nother uh bag of worms it's not my problem yeah because i now ross at one point you were saying a place you were working you did have a like the dedicated tester right yes I've so worked you with would dedicated tester. okay so essentially it would be you think you're done and then hand the top card off the deck to the tester and the tester then like independently looks at it and decides like you know is it you know gives you some feedback wait but did it get code reviewed first or uh yes it did did it get merged into some weird qa branch (laughs) uh no because (laughs) because because we the listeners have already responded to our prior episode and have taken our advice uh and they no longer do that so no it's it's it lives on a review server um and you're tester or designer or or maybe it's maybe it's your pm and i i really like that idea where like your tester and your pm somehow work together and they collectively accept the the story on that like on that review server yeah and i think that depends on um how granular the tickets are what the cute your you know what the cycle is for for testing and stuff like that um, I, you know, I, I think those are, um, those are different topics. I think. Yeah. Cause it, this has certainly come up for me in the past where it was just a user story and it was just what you were saying as a, as a user, as all of them are users, <laughs> I want the thing. And that, that was it. So when you get to that testing phase, it turns out that the, the product manager meant something different. <laughs> Uh, or meant or thought that you knew that there were like six more things that were needed to that feature. Um, how do you manage that kind of rework? Should that does that mean you should have done more planning up front? Does it mean it's more stories? Does it mean just keep working on it till the product manager accepts it? I think keep working. It's necessary in the case you just outlined, but it's probably the worst scenario, right? It's like, you'll never know when you're done. And Ross just talked about, like, you got to know that you can complete it. And what you just outlined is you don't know that. So you got to come up with a process that fixes it. Maybe it's just discussion of it before you actually start work. Or maybe it's more stories and be more granular. I don't know. I think it's a team-by-team call on that one, on how you actually implement it. I'm not going to tell you to do it. You can, you can figure out your own way. Yeah, I think I lean a little bit more toward the keep working on it. You know, nobody gets points for just merging PRs. Like, that shouldn't be the goal. The goal should be actually doing what was needed. 
You know, it shouldn't be like, well, I mean, it's fine though, right? Like, I mean, we'll do it later. You know, there's like, what do you, what, what's the rush? Why not just do the right thing? But I think if you, if you failed, yeah, you should, it should be rejected. You should like redo it. But I'm saying you should recognize that your process is flawed at that point, right? Like you shouldn't expect this to be the standard that you never know if you actually finish something, you know, that you have this fear of it. Like if we can, like try and make those things completable. No one, no one wants to like do all this work and have it rejected constantly. You know, ideally you can finish it and be done and get accepted. It, it depends a lot on what, on what you're working on. So you guys are both currently working on like established applications, established huge applications. Actually um, I'm working on a brand new e-commerce website. So for me, if it if it's better than what's there, I'm merging it. Like we need, you know, we're trying to build this thing, and yeah, like those error messages don't show up yet. You're right. Let's 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 mark that down, and we we will come back to that. But we we need to merge this and keep moving. We cannot, you know, we we cannot have the perfect be the enemy of the good. It depends on where your product is at at that given time. All right, I got to stop. Like. They, they maybe it's just something you picked off the top of your head, but like if someone goes to accept the story, um, and error messages are like the, the issue, the hang up, like hey, you need to rework this. Like, if that's a primary concern in the feature, it needs to be in there, you know, like you need to be explicit about that up front. Um, otherwise, if it's a new thing that you, you're just like, hey, you know, it'd be nice error messages, we don't have those, we never talked about them. Yeah, add a new story for that. Let's do that next. You know, hey, you got your next priority already lined up for you. Good job, PM. Um, but I mean, it, like I said, I think it all comes... You don't deliver code, you deliver features. Like, if those de- features aren't defined well enough, like, we'll do more definition. If it doesn't actually meet your definition of the feature, we reject it and you rework it. Like, it's, I think it's pretty black and white what we do here. But I, I, so I, I still think it goes back to the, where you are in your, in your process. You like, you just said you don't deliver feature, you don't, you don't deliver code, you deliver features. I believe that is almost always true. Uh, when you're working on something new and you like refactored a bunch of stuff, you're, you're delivering code. You are honestly like, we just need to get this code in here so that people can branch from my new code. And like it, it is a um, it is like a, a, a tactical, um, you know, issue at that point. Like we just need to integrate so that we can keep branching from this. You know, there's a it's a high churn. Uh, you know, the thing I'm working on, I got four. It's a tight deadline situation. There's like four developers working on it. There are times where it's like, no, I'm like I'm merging this so that you uh, guys can branch are, from it. Is that a standalone refactor, though? Like no feature attached. I I don't believe in I don't I no I I don't believe in refactor branches. Okay, well you have a you have a feature then that you're delivering. Who cares about the fact? Like the refactoring is the that's like discovering Bob Ross like strokes his paintbrush this way, right? I don't care about that. Like paint me a, a tree, man. All right, like you're painting someone a tree. And the fact that you had to go back and change colors a few times, like no one gives a shit. Like, no, I, I agree. That's just, that's part of the game. Right. right? So it's like, Oh, paint a forest scene with a river going through it. And it's like, all right, here's a forest scene. Where's the river. I can't accept this. You know, it's like, no, get the forest in there. Then we'll do the river. You know, (laughs) again, it, it really depends on, on where you are. If you are, have an established product that people are actually using and there's no error messages, the the story was wrong. The story is rejected. Don't merge it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And this kind of gets back to our episode on delivery, where we, we we did talk about like what state is your project in, and there might be a state where you shouldn't even have branches, right? You should just be pushing because you know you just got to get the scaffolding in place. You're building a CRUD app. You got to get some get your base models, get your base views. Now I wonder if you're in that phase, what do your requirements look like? Because I think you don't want to waste time trying to like write user stories like, you know, should you be like, oh, as a user, I would like to, you know, 
log in and, and reset my pa- and do all that if you know that you know you need it and you know you just need to hack away for a few weeks and get the base in should you should you be writing user stories from day one because you're certainly not going through your formal acceptance criteria definition of done on the first commit <laughs> i don't know i don't again it, w- it would depend on on the situation um for this situation, I'm it's it's an e-commerce site, but it there is like a, a platform we're building on. So there's a certain level of like you already have users and logins and stuff like that. And so um, we don't have those types of stories. Um, but there are, you know, whatever is unique to this this product, you know, this has a configurator type thing where you can personalize your products. Um, and so I think it's good. It's good to have those types of stories. But yeah, you know, as a user, when I check out, I see the price or whatever, you know, we, yeah, you don't need those types of stories. I would, I would agree. What about like going along like the initial project creation? Like what about this prime mover story? That's like, well, let's throw a story in. That's like, as a user, I can log in and use that to drive the whole creation of it. And really the story that normally if you had an established project, you'd estimate it pretty low. Like, oh, that's simple. I could do that. But really it's going to eat all this setup creation, all this extra work, you know, and especially if your, your acceptance is like, yeah, we have to demo it and prod, like, oh, you have to do deployment also and do all this work, right? Like, what do you guys think about that type of story that just eats all that, I guess, velocity um, or effort, you know, into something that should be simple. Yeah. But because of the spot you're at, you're you're at in the app, you know it's not. So like, do you do you guys value that, or would you rather have like more of a chore that says like, you know, create project in GitHub, <laughs> you know, like no. set up database. Not that. I think what tends to happen yeah. is all the all the people wearing suits are in one room talking about that, and the developer gets frustrated, leaves the room, and starts building the app. <laughs> so that by the time there is even a story, the app is already functional. And then you go from there. So I think that's, I think that's how it works. Now, I, I am, though, I still would be really curious to see a project that's developed entirely off of test cases. So you would start with one test case. Step one, log in. Verify you're logged in. And as soon as you can do that, you accept that. You're done. You move on to the next thing. Okay. Uh, I don't know what the next thing would be, but like log in, uh, set my username, verify my username set. And then as soon as you can do that, you accept it and move on. Like everything driven by test cases that are specific enough that nobody can really debate what it even means. That, that'd be interesting. I'd like to see it. It, it's, it gets me thinking like are we in the, the stone age of like software development? Like would you have an IDE? that like starts enforcing a workflow also where like yeah you have to write a test case and then you do this and also knows about the project and it's like okay once you commit that like this thing is done um and the test pass um maybe someday yeah because <laughs> there's some pretty cool stuff coming out in terms of promotion workflows where it kind of is like that where features just sort of like flow down an assembly line and it's up to somebody to just like flip switches and let them through if they think they're okay you could possibly do something where you're just like developers just are you know well at that point they're probably pulling in blocks of code that they think are important and somebody else is testing it out and and pushing it on why why don't people just drive everything from tests then isn't that test-driven development what you're talking about it would be more like, well, no, I would say, because test-driven development is like to verify the, the, the code that I am writing as a developer. Um, I guess it's, it would be some sort of behavior-driven behavior <laughs> or I don't even want to go. I mean, that's another, that's topic for another show. <laughs> um, yeah, why don't people just drive it from test? Because you know they're you want to do testing. You're always going to do testing. Why not just drive yeah. it from the tests? I don't know. I think my guess would be that we haven't had good enough tooling to uh, manage these pipelines 
and empower the product managers to click delivery. You know, the, it's always been the, the product manager accepts it in some other tool. They, they click accept on the user story. And then they hope that their development team knows what that means and gets it out to production. But what if that was actually pushing it out to production? That button. Give, give the product manager, yeah. Give the product manager that power. I think that would be interesting. And it would definitely, well, it would make them feel like they're a bigger part of development and then also feel more empowered. <laughs> no comment. Sounds scary. Yeah, but then they, <laughs> I don't know, they could, uh, but they'd also have a revert button, a reject button. Uh, maybe we need scarier development. Maybe you need to be scared where, like, your stuff's going out right away. So you better get it right. <laughs> Fear-driven development. Love it. Yeah, that's... We, we gotta come up, come up with that Twitter bot. I think there's a framework called Scare, actually. There's scare. also a framework called Safe. <laughs> Safe, scale, scalable, agile scale framework agile. for enterprises. I don't know <laughs> something. Yeah, I think it's yeah, capital S A F, and then just the lowercase e. That's the best. That's the best one because they have awesome. If you do like a Google image yeah. search for safe, <laughs> like they have some awesome diagrams. Super, yeah, they're charts. up to like version five or something too. It's like they've like versioned it. How do you version a chart? So the the framework, the scalable agile framework, has a version. <laughs> well, I mean, you need to sell people something, right. and so you know, you come up with the upgrade. Um, oh, you guys, you need to get certified in version five. You know, we added these new thing. You know, now approved for IoT. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, you know, compatible with the blockchain now. You know, so. <laughs> Uh, no, that, that's like a build pad. It's like an add-on. It's like safe plus blockchain. It's like a dual certification. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to listen to our thoughts here on The New Best Practices. We are on the internet at thenewbestpractices.com. You can find our contact information there. We're on Twitter and whatnot. Feel free to yell at us. If you enjoy this program, please leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice and tell your friends. We are currently, very slowly, working on the next season, and any feedback is greatly appreciated. Thanks again. We look forward to next time.